Hello, welcome to the Brave Parenting Podcast, an examination of the Bible and how parents can apply God's word to raising kids in a culture saturated with media and technology. We look at everyday issues from a biblical worldview so that you can trust the sufficiency of scripture and apply its truth to your life as you raise and disciple your kids. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Brave Parenting Podcast. Kelly here, founder of Brave Parenting. So good to be back behind the microphone, getting caught up on our crazy postmodern, post-truth world, driven by algorithms and one-click gratification. I have my Brave Parenting partner, who has been with me since the beginning, Chelsea here. Good morning. Oh, good morning. It is so good to be back diving into these issues. You and I have had a ton of conversations, and I think we wanted to turn this podcast, um, we wanted to turn this into podcasts and blog, our blog articles. So straight away, Kelly, we all want to know, where have you been for the past year? <laughs> I know. I know. It's been, <laughs> it's been almost a year since our last podcast, and I feel really bad, right? So... Here's the, here's the truth of it, because a lot of people have contacted me, lots of people have reached out, and uh, not that I'm, you know, the sole resource and answer for all of these questions, but I'm so appreciative <laughs> for the people who um, are really trying to do this brave, hard work. But when I, you know, kind of decided to shift to strictly a biblical perspective back in the beginning of 2021... Um, I began, you know, diving deeper into scripture, looking for answers in God's word to all of these questions about how to parent in this culture. I realized how much I really desired to solidify my theology. So I kind of half tossed this idea out to my husband, like, hey, what if I got my master's degree? And he was just all about it. And so I was like, oh, okay, well, maybe I'll just do this. So I applied and got accepted and then just Jumped right in. I just started getting my master's degree in biblical studies um, with a focus on apologetics in August of last year. So I've been in school now for one solid year. It's kind of been crazy. And uh, on top of that, <laughs> last September, so I started school in August and I'm doing my thing and everything's great. And I had this you know, great plan. I was going to continue brave parenting and podcasts. I'm going to do school keep working um, in the pharmacy. Um, then in September, God really opened this new door for a job. And I was like, oh, I really, I really can't turn it down. But, but you did turn it but down. I did. I did turn, <laughs> I actually, it was in August actually, because I was like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm starting school. I really can't start a new job. I've been at my job for 20 years. There's no way I can take another one. And and so I did turn it down. And then in September, about um, a couple of weeks later, they came back and asked me. And really, then at that point, it was an offer I really couldn't refuse. Um, so I took a new job. So after 20 years <laughs> at what I would say is the nation's largest retail chain pharmacy, without saying names, I left and I started working at Texas's largest grocery chain. Uh, pharmacy. And that change was way harder than I ever mm-hmm. anticipated. Um, you, If you've had a job for 20 years and then you change to something different, you probably understand that was on top of school. Um, it, was, it was a lot. 
but you still had teenagers in the house, right? <laughs> no, I know, right? <laughs> so I was parenting, doing this new job, and the new job was actually even like five days a week, whereas I was only working four. And, you know, all that to say, um, podcasting just kind of went by the wayside. <laughs> I just could not mm -hmm. make time for it. But yes, so I was still parenting teens, but Chelsea, I, I'm mm -hmm. not the only one parenting teens now. <laughs> you are too. <laughs> Tell us now what's been going on with you. Yeah, it's been, it's been a crazy year, I think, for both of us, respectively. We've been through a ton of changes. Um, mm -hmm. So I think like about the same time you were starting your master's and changing jobs, um, we got orders to move, which was great. Um, we were super excited about that. But in a kind of like crazy roundabout way, we also got a really amazing promotion. But the promotion had like a little kind of like asterisk, like, please read the fine print. Um, we had to pack up and leave in 10 days. And like the military is known for moving, like we are efficient movers, but 10 days has to be a record. <laughs> um, like, like we've, there's gotta be a gold star, like award somewhere out there for moves. And I hope we, I hope we win it. Yeah. It um, was pretty fast. But it was, it was crazy down, but in the same year of craziness, um, both of our kids also turned or two oldest also turned 13. And I know, like, I joke with you that like, you know, I was prepared for parenting teenagers, but I'm not like, it is a brand new world out there. The mm -hmm. problems are more complicated. The emotions are bigger, uh, but our discussions are deeper. And I kind of love that. Mm -hmm. So what we're seeing right now is our very young teens, not, I don't want to say like interact with culture because we're not throwing them into it in the deep end and saying, figure this out but they're trying to understand it because my husband and I are pulling back the curtain a little bit more and kind mm -hmm. of revealing to them more about what's going on in our world. Um, and it's, it's just coming at them really hard um, and all at one time to be quite honest, because it's, it's so much like it right. is so much. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. I think everybody would agree. Even if you don't have teens, mm -hmm. the world feels like so much. <laughs> yeah. And, and this yeah. really leads into where we're kind of go, we're going to go on this podcast is, you know, the struggles that we're all currently facing as we look at the world and we navigate it through media and technology and, and all that. So let's just touch on what are your current struggles? I'm going to maybe touch on some of my current struggles because I know we're not alone. Parents constantly are telling me what their struggles are and resisting screens, kind of navigating social mm -hmm. media and video games. In everyday life. So now that you have teenagers, what would you say your struggles are? I think right now our struggles are we were the holdout family. We had, you know, planted the stake in the ground that we were not giving up any of our parenting ground to technology. We're still a video game free family, for instance. Mm -hmm. uh, none of my kids have personal devices, but this holdout is getting a lot harder. And all of my that all of the peers that my kids want to interact with and be friends with, they all have personal devices. And now I feel like we're shifting into the hold up camp. It's like the decision to give our kids devices isn't really autonomous. It feels coerced. Like we have to give them these things for any kind of social life to exist for them. And it's killing me, to be quite honest, because I still see them as too young to have a personal device. But the world doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, that's yeah. it's super hard, and 
And some people, you know, critics would say, well, you know, why are you holding out, right? <laughs> Just give yeah. in. And, but yeah. I mean, really, we have a lot of, there's a lot of science, if you will, um, behind, you know, learning and critical thinking skills and just all of that, that is better. And uh, you have more of an opportunity to develop certain communication skills without that screen. Yeah. There's absolutely. still so much to be gained. And even though research may show that the world mm -hmm. and the peers, they're just like, oh, you don't have a phone? Well, how am, how am I going to be friends with you? And mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. that's really, yeah. it's really, really hard. Yeah. So, but what about you, Kelly? What are your struggles right now? Well, so, um, you know, of my seven kids, I only have three left at home. Um, they are all in high school. And two of these three have had smartphones since eighth grade. And uh, they both do online homeschool. Uh, they do it through Liberty University, which has been great. Um, of course, they have to be on the computer screens in order to do that. Um, but, you know, while it's great that they're kind of out of the public school culture, which mm -hmm. has its own host of issues, I'd mm -hmm. be lying if I'd say that doing online homeschool is problem-free, right? And I know this struggle mm -hmm. doesn't matter if you are homeschooling your kids or if your kids are at public school. I know I hear it all the time, and it's the struggle of Googling all your answers. And it's, <laughs> that struggle is real because Google has all the answers. And mm -hmm. it really seems like kids of this generation cannot find the motivation. It's like their brains don't even think about being motivated to learn mm -hmm. what they need to know because they can literally Google everything. You can, mm -hmm. a math problem, a history question, right? They just, I mean, we monitor the kids' screens so that we can see what happens throughout the day, you know, if... I'm at work or my husband's at work and they're doing online homeschool at home. We want to know what's going on behind their screen. And mm -hmm. so we can monitor what are they searching on Google. And mm -hmm. it, you just want to bang your head against the wall because <laughs> you realize, oh, you know, they're just Googling their answers. Answers is so frustrating. And it's sad yeah. because we know that this critical thinking, it's, it's learning how to learn is so right. important and, and they don't even think about it. And it's the entire generation. Um, right. And it's because the screens have sort of led to the decrease in critical thinking. And it's that precise loss that just keeps perpetuating the constant mm -hmm. use and the reliance on screens. And yeah, so there's, there's that. Um, but otherwise <laughs> it's good. We're still, we're still doing pretty good on, on their phones. Um, as for my, my third child, um, now, we have waited. This child um, just hasn't been uh, ready, really, for a phone. And we waited for there to be a genuine need for the phone. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, that need came this summer um, when this child got a part-time job. So we did purchase, a, like, an older version iPhone. You know, we set it up with the strict controls, just like mm -hmm. parenting always encourages. You know, start really slow. You don't give them, you know, a, a smartphone with every single feature possible. We did that, um, help them ease into it. You know, we said, this is, you know, we're going to do this for about a month. And then mm -hmm. if everything goes well, then you get more access, you get more contacts, you know, more screen time, all of that stuff. We couldn't even make it a month. Um, <laughs> it just went oh terrible. <laughs> it, <laughs> we did not even make it a month. It went absolutely horrible. Um, I don't know any other way to describe it. 
um, maybe, you know, between the ADHD, which he does have, um, mm-hmm. summer boredom, um, the desire to have it all and have it now. Um, this child essentially broke the phone. I mean, literally deactivated SIM card, um, mm-hmm. rendered it useless. I mean, I, we kind of actually stood dumbfounded, like how, <laughs> <laughs> how, how that was able to happen. We had no idea that this could be done, you know? And so, <laughs> so we, um, we held to our word. We canceled the phone line. Uh, we took back the phone and, and said, okay, we're going to try again later. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just, yeah, that's how it is. Yep. Yep. We need like a, we need a slow clap, like a sound effect, <laughs> Kelly, so that we can like, pr- we can play it when someone does something really brave, you know, that'll be like our, our brave effect, you know, sound effect. Yeah. It's because like, seriously, not a lot of parents are going to stick to their word. It's hard. Because when you have to do the brave thing and stick to your word, it means enduring a ton of pushback. Right. Like, it's exhausting, isn't it? Is. it? Like, it, it, it's just exhausting. It is. And it is a little heartbreaking, too, because, you know, I mean, I'm like, this child just started high school. Yeah. And I, I know what yeah. it's like inside the high schools. And everybody has phones. And so I know that there yep. is definitely a difference. You know, this is, the, yeah. this is a child without a smartphone. Now, granted, I know that that could be good. But when they see the world and they just want to be like the world, um, yeah, yeah, it's really hard. It's hard. It is. It's mm-hmm. hard. Um, mm-hmm. So there, yeah. So there's that, um, you know. And then to be honest, there's also the constant uh, battle of video games. Um, yeah, I know that. I'm not, I'm definitely not the only one. I'm every parent of, and I say I say I'm not getting ready to say boys, but I know that it can be girls too. Um, middle school, high school age, video games since the pandemic, since the lockdowns. I mean, it's, I did see a headline though that said that video game time was down overall um, oh. since the pandemic, which I'm going to take as a good thing. But I think overall mm-hmm. um, video games have become a, a real struggle, real struggle yeah. inside the home. Yeah, And uh, I, I say struggle, but I also mm-hmm. dare say a lot of parents have just become apathetic and just yeah, kind of given over. Um, but I do have a lot of questions. A lot of people come to me, um, email me and ask those questions of how to set boundaries, uh, what are appropriate limits for game consoles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What other topics do people come to you and, and want to hear about? I think that um, the, the most requested type thing is just, how do I limit or monitor my kids' phones, right? They want to, mm-hmm. parents want like hard restrictions. Like, I don't want to have to look at it every day. I just want to know that I've applied something to this phone and they can't break through it. Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, like a VPN is a great example. Like if you are, if they figure out a way to get a VPN, then everything you've set up can just, is out, out the door. And so right. that's a real struggle. Um, schools have a struggle with that because kids are downloading VPNs on to get through the school's internet. So, oh, I mean, yeah, the, yeah. these, I dare say there is a way around everything. And yeah. parents want the ability to say, I want this one hard, you know, lockdown mode. I don't have to think about it every single day. I don't have to have a, you know, a part-time job of monitoring their phones. And, right. um, you know, the reality is nowadays 
kids have nothing but time to figure out how to get, they've always kind of had nothing but time to figure out how to get yeah. around these. And um, I don't know if, it, if there exists. I mean, if yeah. my husband and I, who are really on top of all of this, can sometimes be surprised and stunned at what our kids can um, do, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then, mm-hmm. I mean, we really need to, we need to really take a new approach. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, what always shocks me is I'm not surprised more people like don't write into brave parenting or just aren't concerned with like the greater worldview issues out in mass media right now. Like mm-hmm. are people burying their heads in the sand? Are we kind of like ignoring the issues that our kids are being kind of overwhelmed with through their phones? Are they just hoping mm-hmm. that they go away and their kids won't see them? Right. Or this is what I some I kind of wonder what it comes back to, or are they, are they a little too scared to talk about it with their kids? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And this is the stuff that you and I talk about, you know, on a regular basis as we sort of navigate all of this. And, and this specific thing is not being scared to talk about these worldview issues is really where I want to sort of take this podcast. And we're going to hopefully repeat this over and over again is let's talk about the worldview issues that are found on these smartphones that are found Mm -hmm. in the social media through the video games and all of that, because the devices themselves aren't inherently bad. I mean, right. I have a smartphone. I don't right. think that it's evil um, for right. me and for my usage. Um, I use it for you know a lot of good stuff. Um, I don't really use a lot of social media, but if I do, it's you know positive. Um, I don't feel like it has any impact on me, right? So I can look at that as a way as an adult, but I don't always see that as my kid. And and it's a lot of these bigger issues that are going on in the world that our kids yeah. have access to that, that we really want to talk about. So I've got yes. this, we had, I had this idea. I said, Chelsea, let's do this. Right. So this is, where, this is where we're going to go. This, this is the baseline of our friendship. Kelly says, let's do this. And I'm like, okay, without <laughs> even thinking, okay, this is how this works. You guys. Okay. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's true. So I'm like, let's talk. Um, let's talk through some headlines. Let's go through some worldview issues Let's talk about what is going on in the world without fear because, you know, that's just how it is. We just need to. This is what's going yeah. on in the world. And um, parents really need to um, not bury their heads in the sand and, and face these issues head on. So we're going to call this new segment Worldview Wednesday. So we're going to release some podcasts like this is going to come out on a Wednesday. And as often as we can, um, but at least a couple of times a month. We're going to have a Wednesday podcast come out where we're going to go over some headline news and discuss Mm -hmm. how we as parents can think biblically about that piece of news and and how that piece of news in the eyes of your child, how that can affect their worldview, how it affects your worldview, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. this is going to be awesome. I can't wait. I think, you know, we've talked a lot over the past year, and I think this is the one thing that has been the easiest to start and it just feels really organic and it feels, it feels good because like this has been on our hearts mm-hmm. for a full year. Like it's been a burden on us. Um, so let's jump into this first headline. All right. Yes. Okay. So first headline we have comes from CNET and that this was posted on August 10th, 2022. So um, just a couple of days before the recording of this podcast. And it says, percentage of teens who say they're 
almost constantly on social media has doubled in survey. Okay, so this article was posted by Dan Avery on CNET, as I said. And here's a little bit of it. They say, more teens than ever are living lives on social media, according to a new survey from the Pew Research Center that found the share of 13 to 17-year-olds who say they're, quote, almost constantly, quote, online, has nearly doubled from 24% in the 2014 to 15 survey to now 46 percent today. And among black and Hispanic teen, excuse me, black and Hispanic teens, they share an even higher percentage at 55%. So what's interesting is this Pew research that came out in 2014-15 was what I started Brave Parenting on. Like that statistic, mm-hmm. I remember, mm-hmm. you know, 25% saying that they were online constantly and I remember being kind of appalled. Like wait a yeah. second, this is not okay. Right, I started yeah. Brave Parenting in 2015. Yep. And they finally did a new survey and found that now it's doubled. 46. I mean, we're not we're not shocked by that, are we? Like not completely. No. Like we we knew it was coming. Right. And I actually so, think that and I read the fine print of this, there was only like 1500 people in inter- um interviewed or re- uh, polled for this research. Uh-huh. Which I don't mm-hmm. think is very much. Um, yeah. I'm not a statistician or <laughs> or anything, right. but I thought I feel like that's kind of a small number um, to yeah. pull because I almost I look around today and I think it's got to be more, right? In a way that right. I see right. that phone never leaving a child's hand, and when I say almost constantly, I mean like you put it down, you pick it up, you put it down, you pick it up, not yeah. like. Because that's what I yeah. see. I, I don't see a, um, I'm staring at the screen, although it could be that, you know, for literally eight hours a day, I'm never, I'm never going off of it. It's just this, it's always in my hand and I'm always doing something. I'm always checking mm-hmm. Snapchat. I'm always, you know, looking at this notification, that notification. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. with this information from Pew Research and this article on CNET, um, you know, a lot of worldview issues come under like sort of this umbrella of time spent on the screen, time spent on Mm -hmm. social media. And Mm -hmm. as Christians, you know, when we try and think biblically about this, we have to consider how we spend our most valuable resource of time. And how we spend that is really a reflection of our hearts and the fruit that we are called to produce. Um, You know, so the question, you know, we as parents should always ask not only of our own screen time, but of our kids when we're considering how, do, how does this news piece that teens are spending, you know, 46% of teens are online constantly. Mm-hmm. How does that impact us? Well, we have to ask, is this a good use of my time? Yeah. You know, Ephesians 5.16 tells us mm-hmm. to, you know, make the most of every opportunity. Yeah. Is all mm. of that a good use of time? Mm, that's good, Kelly. Right. Does mm-hmm. it, does mm-hmm. what you're doing please the Lord? Mm-hmm. We know my immediate thought when I hear this headline is I kind of just feel sad. Like it, it makes me sad for the loss of reality that I yeah. see young people today. They're like trading in a world right in front of them of being in relationship with people and, and, 
there is joy in, in just serving the Lord and, and fulfilling a purpose for whatever, you know, he has mm-hmm. for you. But we're just like being numbed and entertained. Mm-hmm. And I know mm-hmm. that that breaks God's heart. You know, mm-hmm. not just because 95% of teens have a smartphone, mm-hmm. but because he didn't mm-hmm. create, God did not create us to live a, a life looking down, sort of living yeah. in these false realities, you know, because mm-hmm. it, it's really false. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it like, is. I, I, it is. I joke, you know, like there's so much, not only false news, right? But it's just like these false pretenses and, and we're taking these, you know, false selfies with filters with, you know, false eyelashes yeah. and false lips. And we get this false yeah. praise and admiration. And then we, you know, interact with some more false friends and, and read some more false news. <laughs> right. Right. You know, and, and Jesus, I think the, go ahead. The, sorry. No, I, it's just like the, what you keep saying the word false. And I absolutely agree with that. I think we are embroiled in a battle of truth and false. Mm-hmm. and. I know that if I spend, and I like, I'm, I've been, I've been walking with the Lord for, you know, over a decade now I'm reading my Bible. I went to, I went to Bible college, like, right. I I do these things. I do the daily discipline of, of being a Christian. Um, And if I am spending too much time on my phone, I can start to second guess truth. Mm -hmm. Well, wait, wait a second. Does the Bible really say that? God created man and woman and that we have gender roles and that we are supposed to live our lives to glorify God in those gender. Do you know what I mean? So I can't imagine for a teenager who is still being discipled by their parents who may have, may have just become a Christian, may be very young in their faith. Are they, are they agreeing to that false narrative, that false worldview as a standard of truth? Mm-hmm. Because we have a standard of truth. Yeah, it, it's biblical truth, right? Like, right. I'm just, I, yeah. I'm like, I think, it breaks my heart. Yeah, like. exactly. And you know, it just must break the Lord's. And I think, oh, yeah. you know, what you said is, it, it brings up this point, right? So we're just still discipling our kids, even right. if, and so this question is, has been asked of me before too. What if my child has not become a Christ follower? What if they are not necessarily a believer yes. yet? What if they've not been yeah. baptized? So, you know, can I really hold them to the standard? Yes. Yes. It's good for them. Yes. 100%. I mean, we're not going to, we're not going to give them over, you know, to the enemy. Um, right. So does it matter how they spend their time? 1000%. Just because. I I would say almost even more so because (laughs) they are still, you know, the Bible's really clear. Like you're either a child of God or you're a child of the devil. Like you can look that up in John. I'm not, not, you know, I'm not making that up. Um, and if they still belong, you know, to, to Satan, they are even more susceptible because mm-hmm. they don't have an indwelling Holy spirit to convict them and be like, Hey, wait a second. You definitely should not do that. Right. right. Like there's no conviction in their heart. Right. Uh, Absolutely. No, there's common grace and common grace is good for everyone. That's why it's common. No, these standards, these rules are good for every single one. Right. Right. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. I mean, they, your kids may even fight back and be like, you know, oh, you know, it drives me crazy. I'm not going to lie. I've I've heard this from a child of mine. Right. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I'm not going to lie. There's no hiding. Um, You know, this, 
I, I, you know, half my children are believers, but not all have, have accepted Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, oh, you know, you just have this role because of the Bible, you know, yes, you're right. I do. (laughs) Bummers. Bummers, man. (laughs) You know, um, the world, the world, you're right. The world doesn't follow a morality. The world doesn't follow a, um, objective truth, but there is, there is all of those things. There is, you know, morality, there is objective truth. And we for sure have to keep doing this. So even though 46% Mm -hmm. of teens are online constantly, that doesn't mean that ours need to be. Right. Absolutely. Is how they're spending their time, is it beneficial? It Does it give God glory, right? Does it please the Lord? Is that a useful way to spend your time? Like those are, those are the questions. Yes, the world is doing this, but we are not of the world. Right, right. Well, and the Bible is really clear that we are supposed to guard our heart, you know, in Proverbs. It is everything. All, everything flows from the heart. So if we're not guarding it, there's going to be an overflow of all of that garbage that we're taking in, right? And mm-hmm. we have to give mm-hmm. our kids practical applications, what it means. We have these biblical imperatives, these things that we're supposed to do, and we can practically apply them to our lives and help our kids apply them to their lives. And one of those ways is just limiting the screen time because they have got to guard their heart. Yeah. We've got to guard our hearts yeah. as parents. Right. Yeah. And, and and the mind, you know, I mean, it is so yes. much between the heart and mind. I I absolutely love, you know, Philippians 4, you know, of controlling your mind. Like in my Bible, I have written right to the side, you know, control your mind. This idea of what you think of needs yeah. to be, you know, good and holy and pure and praiseworthy. You know, think of these right. things, you know, Paul says. Right. When you are online constantly, there, yep. <laughs> I tell you, you are not thinking of the things of God. You are not right. thinking of the kingdom of God or of right. God's word or any of that. You are not. You are thinking mm-hmm. of how can I how can I become famous? How can you know how can I gain yeah. more? I mean there is such a, a mindset yeah. when you live through yeah. social media. And it's not yep. it's just not biblical at all. Um yeah. and so even if they ha- even if your kids have social media it needs to be a controlled amount, you know, so that their mind does have time to think about things of, of the Lord Mm -hmm. and not just that social media platform controlling Mm -hmm. their mind. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So those, yeah. So that's, that's a headline. Let's, let's jump on into the next one. You got it. I got it. Okay. So this is coming from the Washington Examiner. Um, It came out, I believe it came out just yesterday. Um, It says, from woke to woker, Disney casts drag queen in new Marvel series. Um, Drag queen Shea Coulee is reportedly to star in an upcoming Marvel series on Disney+. The RuPaul Drag Race alum has landed a role on the series Ironheart, which will premiere in the fall of 2023. Um, She goes on to say, uh, it's really so humbling to be able to cross over into a much more mainstream avenue and push the needle. Is it a she or a he? I don't. Okay, we don't know. It's a drag queen, so we don't know. Okay, go ahead. I apologize. Yes. 
no, you're fine. So she I says. thought that too. Like, <laughs> I thought that too. I was like, man, I really want to be like respectful because this is still, you know, this is still a, a, a person created in the image of God, right? right? Like you still want to be as respectful as you can. Um, yeah, she says, it's really humbling or it's really so humbling to be able to cross over into a much more mainstream avenue and push the needle forward as a drag queen is concerned. In the way that it's consumed in, in pop culture, the drag queen told E! News, I'm so deeply excited for everyone to see what this role is, what it entails, and everything that's in it. Now, what's interesting is Kule, I hope I'm saying the last name right, or Kuli, is reportedly leaving a trademark stamp, quote-unquote trademark stamp, on the character, which remains unknown. So I kind of wonder if there's going to be something about this character that kind of um, goes into other series or into other characters. Do you know what I mean? Like it'll mm-hmm. be a, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't really know how this is going to be threaded out exactly, but this, this could be a whole podcast in itself, Kelly, like the um, <sighs> focus on drag queens and our children. Or, Am or, I right? Or yeah. Disney or Disney. As or a whole. Dis- or <laughs> dis- dis- yes, absolutely. Uh, I think absolutely. we will probably, that is on the list actually um, of, yeah. of podcasts that we have coming up and planned is one on Disney and um, how we should think biblically about it because our kids, we even have grown up on Disney, but okay. So we're going to save that part for later, but let's just, let's just talk about from woke to woker. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, honestly, we can just pull this headline apart. Okay. Let's just look at woke from woker and then we're, we're then we're going to talk about Disney, then the drag queen and then Marvel so much Yeah, (laughs) all in this one headline. Um, So, uh, <laughs> yeah, where do we start? I, I know. I mean, you know, obviously this podcast da- or this headline, excuse me, dive like straight into queer theory. And I mean, like we said, that is a completely, that is its own podcast in itself. I think as a family, my greatest, I, here's, here's what I know. I know that the enemy is out to steal, kill and destroy. Mm-hmm. I also know that historically that the greatest way to tear kids away from their parents is to sexualize them. It's, it, it, it does a number on children's minds and hearts. It's one of the things that as you know, as foster parents, what's, what's one of one of the one things that we always have to deal with, mm-hmm. with, with our kids that come from the foster care system is yeah. the, the abuse that they've suffered. Right. And it, it does a number on these kids. It is horrible causes them not to trust adults, um, uh, among many other things. But I know that if I allow my kids to be exposed to this, I am, I am complicit to the enemy's plans to steal my kids, to destroy them and to kill them. Mm -hmm. I, I, I know those things and hands down, my kids will not be exposed to this. Right. I, I'm just, Kelly, this just breaks my heart. Like, (laughs) So let's real quick, um, okay, just to touch on a couple points here in case you may have buried your head in the sand a little bit. Um, there yeah. is a huge rise in drag. Yes. And yes. Um, I have listened to several podcasts, not only on queer theory, which there's also a gigantic rise and push um, through public schools, through um, obviously um, entertainment, Disney, all of that. Um, I just want to explain what I learned on some podcasts I listened to in our next podcast, we're going to go over resources and I'm going to share a bunch of these other podcasts where I get my information. Um, but mm-hmm. this new drag push is mm-hmm. I, 
was explained like this. Why drag queen is, is like the new thing. And maybe you've heard about um, drag queen story hour going on and libraries, you know, for young kids and all of this is because with the gender issue, you know, you have like these transgender individuals and they're deciding, you know, 13 year old girl decides, no, I really should be a boy. And, you know, going through gender confirmation surgery or whatever it is that they're doing, but they're switching genders, which is ironic Mm -hmm. because they're really solidifying the fact that gender is binary because, Mm -hmm. you, you know, you're, Girls are switching to boys, boys are switching to girls. They're still just two genders. But what I am now understanding is like why drag is becoming such a thing is because it's the newest way to show that gender is truly fluid. Right. Because drag queens go back and forth between genders and they sort of combine all of it into one, um, Mm -hmm. if you will. Um, It's just like kind of this heterogeneous mixture of all things, I don't know, yep. <laughs> in yep. one person. Okay, so so that's yep. kind of this this pull of drag. Okay, so we have now right. Disney bringing this into Marvel. Marvel yeah. with heroes. Right. Because that's ultimately, I'm not, an, I'm not anti-Marvel. I'm, I'm, I'll take a good superhero movie. Um, mm-hmm. there's lots to, to learn, um, even about God. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I know that there's, mm-hmm. there's a new book. I'm trying to think who just came out with it about, I have to share that in the resources about finding God through, um, superhero movies and Harry Potter. Yeah. And- I, I mean, we've had great discussions, like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, through the Marvel movies, like everyone is concerned about eternity. That's why we create superheroes and, and deities because we know that eternity exists, right? Like we have, we can have really good conversations from some of the Marvel movies. It's just interesting that this, this um, LGBTQT agenda is coming in, not through, not to parents, not to adults. It's they're going directly to the kids. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is why the kids? Mm -hmm. Why, why don't they choose adults? Why don't, why are they not pushing this in, hardcore on adults like they are on kids why kids yeah you know like that's the question we have to ask ourselves right. as parents yeah and and ultimately um a lot of what queer theory does is it breaks down the family unit um yes it, that's that's the core i mean that's a, yeah that's really what they want to do is um in order to kind of create this utopia world that you know where everybody is is happy and free and you know of course you can't be oppressed by parents um you know you need to have the ability to think freely (laughs) from the youngest of ages it's just crazy i mean marxism said like okay materialism is you know that's the reason people sin essentially like if we gave everyone the same car the same house the same whatever then you know no one would have to there'd be no more crime no one would have to steal things right it would it would solve everyone's problems and everyone would thrive well, now we're saying that, well, if everyone could just choose their gender and everyone could just have sex with whoever they wanted to and everyone could just be whatever they wanted to be, well, then if we, if we throw off those social constraints, then then there wouldn't be any more heartache and oppression and, and rape and, and all these XYZ issues that we're seeing. But what does the Bible say? No, sin is bound up in our hearts. We are fallen creatures, no matter how many times we try to fix this world with worldly solutions we are still going to encounter sinful people like that 
the Bible is so logical in the way it breaks down a person, like the human heart and the reason why we encounter the issues we encounter in this world. The right. world's problem, the world's solutions are um, insufficient, but the Bible is sufficient to explain it all. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So watching these kind of movies where they're pushing such agendas. Um, yeah. I mean, it could definitely be, I mean, you're feeding your kid's worldview by doing this. Um, and that can be, um, movies like I know the Buzz Lightyear movie that just recently came out has some homosexuality. Um, I know we did not see it for that reason. Um, also the, yeah. Um, it's not Harry Potter, but it's the, um, Dumbledore. The Dumbledore movie. Yeah, that, yeah. that one yeah. also had some of it. So sadly, even though I'm generally a Harry Potter fan, I did not yeah. go see that one. Um, these are the hard decisions, I think, when it comes to um, protecting my own heart and mind. Um, and yeah. w- because what does my support of that industry and that movie and putting my money towards that, what does that say about what they're doing? Yeah. You know, Kelly, we have never been people who have agreed with cancel culture, like ever. Like we're we're not, we're not cancel culture people. And that's not what we're advocating here. Like I'm not, I'm not canceling Harry Potter. Like I'm not canceling. I love Toy Story, like the old original ones. I think they're amazing. Um, But what I am saying is we have to, like what you're saying is we have to guard our hearts. And my kids are not, like I said earlier, you know, we're kind of, my husband and I are kind of like pulling back that curtain on what we expose our kids to because once we expose them to them, it's a whole lot of talking and discussions that we have before we can even kind of like move on to the next thing we're going to expose them to, right? Um, and if you're gonna, if you're willing to pull back this curtain on LGBT plus issues, you've got to pause everything else that you're doing with your kids and you have got to have long discussions right. with them about what they're seeing and what they're doing and what they're consuming. Because if you don't, then what you do is you have, you're silently complicit. And without a discussion, without pausing and saying, hold on, this is what God says about all this. Then what you're saying is this is normal without right. saying anything at mm-hmm. all. Or this is true. And sadly, This is, or, oh yeah, yeah. Or this is true. And, and that's, that that's what they're trying to do to kids is they need this to be normalized. They can't normalize it with adults. So they have to go to the kids and they have to make it normal mm-hmm. in their minds because they can't do it to us because we grew up with gender roles and man and woman. And do, do you know what I mean? Like exactly. They, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we're going to discuss that more um, as we lead on, but yeah, really it, it, you, we have to just, when we consider worldview, we have to say, what is, what is this teaching? me? What is this yeah. teaching my child? Um, is this giving God glory in any way? Mm-hmm. Is this tearing down truth? Mm-hmm. Um, and then having, it's so much about conversations so yes. much. Yeah. About uh, yeah. listening to your kids. What do they think? Um, you know, questioning back about truth, but yeah. Okay. Like I said, we could mm-hmm. go on forever on that mm-hmm. one. So, okay. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> one more headline. And go for it. this one, you know, we're, keep these kind of all over the board <laughs> today. <laughs> so this next headline comes from Christianity Christianity Today, and it was posted on August 9th, 2022. And it says, Alexander Hamilton wraps his way to Jesus at a Texas church. So this was posted uh, by Bob, and I'm, Bob, I am so sorry. I do not know how to say your last name. 
Smetana. Smetana. Okay. Um, so <laughs> here's what it says. During a slightly adapted production of the hit musical Hamilton at the Door Church, not sure what city in Texas that's in, a large, diverse congregation, um, the main character, Alexander Hamilton, bowed his head, closed his eyes, and gave his life to Jesus. What is a legacy? The actor playing Hamilton said, according to a recording of the show obtained by religious news services, it's, quote, knowing you repented and accepted the gospel of Jesus Christ that sets men free. Hmm. Well, that's beautiful. And it's true. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, what mm -hmm. we have here is, uh, you know, hey, you know what? First, let me say, I'm a fan of Hamilton. I, I, mm -hmm. I, love, the, I love musicals. Um, I thought that it was a, a beautiful portrayal of history as a way to um, get people reengaged with the, the history of our country and the founding of our country. Mm -hmm. um, and I can understand on some level why this church thought that putting a sort of gospel adapted performance um, <clears throat> to, to this in their church could be relevant. Um, yeah. Yeah. In a way, you know, what's funny mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. <laughs> I read this story and I immediately was brought back to the days of my college sorority <laughs> and <laughs> because we would perform skits for um, what we used to call rush. But, you know, that's not a PC word now. So now we call it recruitment um, in oh. order <laughs> in order to impress what used to be called pledges. But that's not PC anymore either. So now they're called potential new members. In order to impress these potential new members, we perform these skits, right? We'd take these modern songs and we'd change the, the words to them and then we'd sing them and dance or do whatever. I mean, and this was a long time ago, y'all. I'm like talking 90s. <laughs> <laughs> to like to Vanilla Ice. And I, I'm going to telling me? <laughs> really date myself. And this was a long time ago. But I have been an advisor for sororities um, since then for chapters here in Texas. And I know they still do it. So... <laughs> <laughs> the, the same habits, same things still go on. Um, so, but so that's what we would do, right? But here's the, here's here lies the difference. Sorority rush is not the church, right? You know, right? While I actually can admit that, you know, all of those many days and years of of quote recruiting and talking and being in just hundreds of conversations with girls trying to get to know them. I mean, that did actually teach me a lot about sharing the gospel on an individual basis. Um, you know, as a whole, the church, like the big C church, we should not be seeking relevance. And as we share the gospel relevance is, yeah, is not our yeah. goal. Well, wouldn't it be wrong to say that the, it's, it's almost as it's almost like saying, I have to bring in this, this production in order to, to make the gospel relevant, but the gospel has been and always will be relevant because men will always be sinners. And the gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ that he came, was a sacrifice for their sins. He died on the cross, was raised on the third day and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the father so that men don't have to be sinners. They can be holy. Mm -hmm. And what does holy mean? It means set apart. You get to be different you are not of this world or you're not in this world but or you're not or you're not of this world um you're a new creation right like how is that not relevant anymore 
that's my question. Right. Because the gospel has been always will be relevant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just as a humble reminder. I mean, there's nothing crazy, you know, about this story, but it just goes to show like um, right. we hear these stories all the time of the church bending to culture. Right. Uh, I mean, um, you know, uh, different denominations deciding that, yes, women can be, can be pastors and um, right. Even though the the Bible is pretty clear about the the gender roles that are that occur, yeah. um, or yeah. their churches are you know, you know flying pride flags outside their church yeah. and 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 welcoming in people from the community. And yes, we should always welcome and love everybody in the community, but it's it's not about relevance, and that right. with the culture. Um, right. and, and we as individuals inside the big C church must remember that as well, because we make up the body. And when we are yeah. constantly seeking relevance, then, and we're influencing our church, then we just lose our way. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. um, like you said, we are called to be set apart. That's, that's what holy means. And it's been right. God's goal from the time he called Abraham to set apart people for himself is to literally be set apart. That's what mm-hmm. Israel was designed to be. They were to be mm-hmm. a light to the whole nation. It's like, hey, this is what it looks like to worship the one true God, and this is the blessings that come. And and this is, you're supposed to be different. Now, granted, Israel failed, and we all fail. But right. that's the idea of sanctification, and and that should be not only our goal, but how we disciple our kids, and and how we're having daily discussions. Are we jumping on every single trend? you know, with right. our kids and, right. and just kind of doing that so they can feel relevant in their schools to some yeah. extent, you know, is it okay to kind of dress appropriately, but yet maybe still, you know, have, you know, whatever the, whatever the hip shoes are, <laughs> whatever, right. you know, the hip clothes right. are, um, but still be appropriate. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's okay. But we, yeah. we have to remember that relevance to the culture is not the goal. The goal is to be set apart. We can be set apart in how we act and behave and how we love the world and how we speak to other people um, mm-hmm. as well as how we dress. And But mm-hmm. the key is just we should be a light. We should be set apart. Mm-hmm. I think like for me, as I like kind of sit back and I'm listening to you talk, like I'm a biblical counselor, right? So for me, I get so excited and I mean like stupid excited where like I'm a fire, like a raging, whatever fire hydrant that you can't turn off. When I find out that there are things in the Bible that the Lord has, that the Lord has given us a word, a good word, a sufficient word for all of life and godliness. And Mm -hmm. I like double down like a poker player on that where I am like, yes, I am all in. I might not do it well. I might not live it out perfectly, but yes, I absolutely believe this. And so for me, I get so excited when, you know, I've got someone who comes to me and they're like, Hey, I'm really struggling with anxiety, depression. You know, I'm really struggling with X, Y, Z or, or whatever. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, there's like scripture. Like there's like things like, like God has told us these things, Mm. right? Like that I can like, let's, uh, yes, let's read the Bible together. Let's figure this out. Like I want to be there and walk with you. The Bible, God's word is still so relevant. It is still a perfect and sufficient word for all of life and godliness, all of it. Mm-hmm. And I think if we had more people who doubled down and believed that, right, and just pushed all their chips to the center of the table and were like, yes, 
I am absolutely going to study his word and I am absolutely going to memorize it and put it on my heart. And I'm going to try and live by it as best as I possibly can. Like I'm going to search the scriptures like the Bereans to know that this is good and true. Um, I, I kind of think maybe we wouldn't have Hamilton coming into the church, Mm -hmm. right? Like, do you know, do you know what I mean? We wouldn't have to pull from culture. We wouldn't have to at all. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And, you know, and I also think of just like the book of Acts, the apostles, when they were starting the church and the first church, they did not seek relevance with the culture. No. And actually I just learned this resurrection to like the um, pagan cultures around them was actually a dirty word. So like they didn't believe in resurrection, a lot of these pagan cultures. So here's the book of Acts, right? They're going out. Paul is going out to these pagan cultures and he's saying, listen, you've got to believe in this guy, this Jewish guy. He, he died. Um, he, then he was resurrected and now he's in heaven. Can you imagine like what these pay, wait, hold on a hot second. I have to believe that this Jewish man died for my sins and he was resurrected. Like that would have been absolutely disgusting to them. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, but Paul didn't bring in like, uh, uh, like pagan you know priestesses and and stuff like that to make it relevant right for for the people like he just he just told them what he had to tell them i don't know yeah no it's absolutely true yeah they just they they didn't they they spoke the truth and that's what it was and either yeah (laughs) that drew you in and you understood you recognize yourself as a sinner but they didn't they didn't have to pull in pagan gods they didn't right you know have to do any of that and you know yes right um you know, they preached to crowds, you know, it wasn't all mm-hmm. just individuals sharing the gospel. Sure. There was, there was lots of crowds and all of that. And, but mm-hmm. you know, you can bring crowds into your church another way than having to uh, maybe perform a Hamilton skit with changed lyrics. <laughs> yeah. You know, actually I need to retract that. I don't think, Oh, hold on. Cause Paul does talk about uh, when he went to, when he's at Mars Hill, he does talk about the unknown God, right? And he does use a reference from one of the Greek playwrights. Um, um, he does use a line from one of the Greek playwrights that would have been, they would have known that. But he he used those right. things to to reference the culture, to make it understandable, but not to entertain them. And I think that's probably where we need to, yeah. where we need to delineate is this was a form of entertainment to put people in the seat right? To kind of maybe coerce them into being in a church or something like that. Um, This article is about entertaining people um, to make the gospel relevant, but Paul never entertained people to make the gospel relevant, Um, but he did interact with the culture if he needed to. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely true. Absolutely true. Thank Mm -hmm. you for that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so well, so there's three headlines that we have. Um, and, you know, when you read these, when you think about them, I mean, we hope that, you know, you can ask some of those questions to yourself of, you know, how does this impact how I see the world? You know, is this a good example of something I should do? Um, what impression does me being involved with or paying for this movie or doing this, what does that impression give to the world? Um, you know, is there glory for God in this? Is this a good use mm-hmm. of my time? These are questions that can really help filter how you take in the world and the news that you hear and read and applying that to your biblical worldview and then having discussions with your kids. Mm-hmm. 
It's good. It's really good. Yeah. I so, mean, <laughs> yeah. So I hope, I hope that you all gained something um, a little bit from this. This is kind of just our intro after a year of um, being gone, <laughs> retouching back onto this <laughs> biblical worldview. And uh, we have lots of podcasts planned and uh, uh, pray for our ministry and our time that we uh, do um, are not sidetracked and, and can really get these this information out yeah. to you and that it really is a yeah. blessing um, to all those who, who need this um, as they in their parenting journey. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Definitely pray for us. I feel like every time Kelly, we try and start something, man, the devil's right there. Like, yeah. let me, let me throw busyness at you or something. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. We definitely need the prayers, but also just to remain faithful and true, um, you know, the fidelity of scripture, because um, that's, what's going to matter the most, no matter, we can, we can say a whole bunch of stuff, but um, scripture is always going to matter most being, right. being faithful and true to scripture. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, great. Thank you, Chelsea. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, Join us next time in the Brave Parenting Podcast. Share this with your friends, uh, whether you listen on Apple or Android or you're listening to some other platform podcasts. We appreciate it if you subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. And we will see you next time.